0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and we have David in the studio and a special guest, Deb Gray. Hi, Tom. Thanks. I have a great guest. I've known her for a long time. Her name is Deb Gray. And I met her at Omega, I think, what, 2013, Deb? Well,
1: what was the the first year that you actually
0: did Right. And she came to her first Omega workshop, and we'll talk about that in a second. But at that point, I had no idea what the workshop was about. No idea what was going on. And then Deb knew a friend of mine, Fred Leskin, who wrote the book called Forgive for Good, is how she came to the workshop. And uh, she's been kind enough to talk to us today and explain a a little bit about her journey You'll quickly see why I had her on the uh, podcast. So welcome, Deb, and thanks for being on the show.
1: Well, thanks, David. So it's really a great pleasure to be here. I've never done one of these before, so. So far, it's good. <laughs> good. So,
0: yeah. Um, so, I know you're in social work, but that's not really what you do. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about the background of what you do, but also your journey into Omega, what, what, how you ended up coming to Omega that, what, that one year?
1: Sure. Um so yeah, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been doing talk therapy now for more than 20 years, which blows my mind sometimes when I think about how quickly that time has gone. And I also own a mental health and substance abuse agency and so I work in three different offices and we have five offices all together and um, very busy, and then I have a nonprofit that I also work with, and more recently I've been doing some medication-assisted treatment for uh, addiction. So that's been keeping me very busy, along with working on a Ph.D. and having three children and a new grandbaby. <laughs> 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 nothing, nothing to I do with my work. Every
0: time I talk to Deb, I'm sort of in awe of everything she has going. What's the nonprofit that you're doing? I, I, um, I, I, I
1: have a uh, – it's a housing project for uh, low-income families.
0: Okay, great. it's unbelievable how busy she is and the things she's been able to accomplish. Um, Could you tell us briefly how you ended up at Omega? What was your chronic pain situation, how it all started, and what your journey was like starting to head towards Omega?
1: Yes, I was actually trying to recall because it's been many years now. Um, In 2012, I was working uh, at a job where I had a contract. And what happened was uh, I was giving up the contract so that I could go back to graduate school. And I had given plenty of notice. And I was reassured that they had a provider to pick up my caseload, which was uh, about 25 to 30 people a week. And when it came time to leave, there was no provider. And I think I went a little nuts because it I ended up feeling really stressed about it. I was carrying it as a uh, personal responsibility that the clients that I was so engaged with were not being taken care of and it started with neck pain and um, and it lasted and it would not go away and so I had um, reached out to a friend of mine who's an occupational therapist and she did all kinds of uh, changes in my seating changes in my I went from heels to flats and we changed the seating on my car the seating on my office we did some massage therapy, uh, some cranial sacral therapy. I was trying everything, and then that didn't work. So I then went to a physical therapist, um, and they put me on an exercise program, and that didn't work. Uh, So I went to a chiropractor, and at my first session, the chiropractor decided it was a good idea to snap my neck and didn't tell me he was going to snap my neck, and I immediately felt an electric current goes through both arms. Wow. And and that's when it got really bad. Okay. um, It was to the point where I couldn't sleep at night. I was, um, very teary eyed. Uh, I couldn't get any kind of relief. Um, so I did reach out to uh, my medical providers. Eventually I did a surgical consult and, um, was told that my neck looked like someone with severe backlash, uh, whiplash. Okay. And I had that in five car accidents, like prior to over, you know, the 10 year prior to. Um, so I'm thinking that, though, that there was probably some damage that was done, but then when the stress came on, that it then just solidified.
0: And you're still trying to work during this period of time?
1: I was not only working, but I was also uh, doing a graduate program, working on a PhD. So I was doing a lot of that curling over and typing activity, which probably didn't help either.
0: Right. And what was your PhD program in?
1: Uh, It's in mind-body medicine.
0: Okay. Now, if I remember correctly, you told me you actually part of your PhD was because you wanted to learn more about chronic pain. Is that correct?
1: Well, that was um, that that's what I went into when I decided on my dissertation project, right from the beginning, I decided that I was going to be looking at chronic pain okay. and, and it was because of having that own experience, my own experience. And, it, and also, um, my, my partner is an anesthesiologist by trade. Right. And, and he was one of those people that said, well, once you hit chronic pain, there's no going back. Cause he had actually went a pain clinic. And so he was basically feeding me this, you know, once it gets past the six months, you know, this is something you'll probably have to deal with for the rest of your life. And I wasn't buying it.
0: Right. How long did you, so what were some, I know you tried different treatments, but as you did your dissertation on mind body medicine and chronic pain, I know you found things that were helpful and things that weren't helpful. What was your general flavor? of your journey as you looked for different solutions for chronic pain what was that like i I know you went through treatments that weren't working and i don't remember so you say that the pain got really bad in 2012 the year before you came to omega by the way omega is a workshop that i do every year at the mega institute in new york we just did one last june and back then it was myself my wife and dr fred luskin at the time of the first workshop in 2013 and it's basically um working on the doc project or the Define Your Own Care program in a workshop format. And it's turned out to be one of the most powerful parts of our entire program. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But that's what the Omega process is, is a workshop that I hold once a year for anywhere from you know 10 to 25 people. I think Deb's year where there's about 13 people there total. But um anyway, so I'm I'm curious you were told that once you have chronic pain you have it forever, correct? Well, in
1: the meantime, Fred, I was reaching out to Fred, um, and he was telling me about you. So he okay. actually uh, sent me a copy of your book. Okay. And I immediately read it, uh, like, because okay. I was desperate, like nothing I was doing was working. Right. And so at that point, um, the first, the, the piece that really hit me was the sleep, um, because I wasn't sleeping. So the very first thing I did was I started working on my sleep. Okay. And then, so that probably brought me to about, I think I read that about a month before I came to Omega. So once I read the book, I w- and then I heard about the workshop, and Fred was also going to be there. So there was two motivating factors. Right. Um, and I came to the workshop with the intention of meeting you, learning more about that, and also getting to socialize with my friend, Fred. Right. And um so the so that first time that I was there, I didn't get much relief. I, I was miserable, David, right. I, and I think you could probably right. attest to that. I think I was the most miserable person there. No, you were
0: you're right. You had a good crowd with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not sure. But it was it was air conditioned, which exacerbates my pain tremendously.
0: Right. And okay, I, I didn't know that
1: could not get comfortable. I was in so much pain through the workshop. I was just um, like, I would leave the workshop to just go outside to warm up. And so then I would come back in and get some more of it.
0: OK, um, got it.
1: So uh, I, and I just couldn't find relief. Like I knew, I, I believed in what you were saying. and um, And I was definitely gathering the concepts, but I was not finding any relief that week. Right. And, um, and that was I think in a June I
0: think that was in June yeah so again before we go back to the Omega conversation the first concept was that once you have chronic pain you have it forever correct mm-hmm. and you tried physical therapy you said chiropractic care of course which has snapped your neck and different other things so as you went around the whole medical world of chronic pain what was the general flavor of it again as far as your thoughts about how it could or couldn't be solved? Before, oh, before oh, well, in my remember. area, where,
1: where I live, um, where, you know, we, you, you have a pain clinic in Seattle that I was able to visit, but, and we have pain clinic here. Our right. pain clinic consists of medications, uh, shots, or surgery. Those right. were the three options you had up here. There was, there was no any alternative or complementary. There was no treating the pain from a psychological perspective. Or, a, uh, or from the perspective of even just addressing sleep. Well, like your book was talking about sleep, anger, and anxiety.
0: Right. Um,
1: now, I, I, I am not, in general, an angry person. In general, I, I actually manage anxiety and worry very well. I do think that that was the initiation. And I do think when under stress, um, my the muscles will get exacerbated. like my pain gets exacerbated under stress Um, so i do know that that's something i really have to watch
0: right
1: Um, Your book though that that started the sleep piece i didn't have relief then um when i did get relief it really wasn't until after i came to seattle and had the opportunity to shadow you right while i was there one of the things that i observed was almost everybody in the pain clinic Was using glucosamine. Okay. And I had not heard of that and was not aware of that as an option. Right. So when I came back, um, three things happened that actually helped to. I totally am abstinent from pain now. Right. Um, And the three things were I had to get good sleep. Right. The glucosamine is a huge piece of it. Right. And um, I also needed to stop physically. Exacerbating the pain by, by keeping it, I, I think I was keeping everything inflamed by trying so hard to make it better.
0: Right. And then I know you did the, did you get into the other things like the expressive writing and forgiveness and stuff like that? Did you get into those modes?
1: Well, I had already done the forgiveness work. Um, I've been doing that for a number of years. So that wasn't anything that was new to me. So I, it, I don't think that that was a piece of that. The expressive writing, I you know um, my friend Etsy. Right, that was uh, right in the workshop, that was the key to it. She, uh, she got relief that week. I was a little bit right. jealous, to be honest. Right, um, and but for me, were... it was not so much the expressive writing. Um, right, I do have my own tools that I like to use. Like, I do a lot of Byron Katie and questioning what is in order to get to a peace of mind, and right. I also do a lot of mindfulness and meditation, right? So that's my way.
0: So what it happened, Deb? I think it was about ten months after the workshop that things flipped around, and you really went almost pretty much to pain free. Correct?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And then you came to Omega the next because the first year you weren't you were sort of off campus, went really not there the whole time, and really not totally involved in the process. And then I know the second year you just came in and just redid the whole workshop. That's where Mark Owens and, um, and some other people that year also. And then that was. Uh, sort of refresh your course because you're, you're already pretty much pain-free at that point in time. So jumping forward now, um, in the next podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing now. But in essence, the paradigm shift for you was understanding chronic pain, the effects of different other aspects of it, sleep, etc., on the pain. And it's a pretty profound shift for you, right? I mean, you were pretty darn miserable for for a long time, and really, you did go to pain. When I say pain-free, of course, I say that tongue in cheek because life keeps coming at us. I mean, you're never just pain-free, but it's in general compared to what you were, why well, is a pretty dramatic difference, right?
1: I, I would even say I'm pain-free, David. Really? Like, if I even get a hint of this, like uh-huh. um, I get a, uh, you know, like it just starts to ache a little bit in my shoulders or my neck feels a little stiff, I right. go right back to making sure I get good sleep. I'll make sure I get three good nights' sleep in a row. I'll start taking the glucosamine again, and um, and and I can stop it. Like it never has ever come back anywhere near.
0: Like like it was. I
1: I would say where I was at a ten, uh, for me, you know, up within that pain level, um, I have never been beyond a two.
0: Wow, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, I'd like to review just for a second for the for the audience on the things that go into getting better. So, first of all, pain is a neurological phenomenon. It's best basically pain is an output, not an input. And your brain's always assessing all of your sensory input. Everything counts. Vision, touch, taste, feel, all those things count. The sum total of that sensory input is either safe or it's not. If it's not safe, then your pain decides it's pain your brain decides it's painful and actually gives you an unpleasant sensation probably mediated through what's called the amygdala that says this is dangerous and actually puts out a pain signal and so i understand the neurological nature of pain is a pretty big deal about which medicine has done for a long time is that they have medicalized a neurological diagnosis in other words we're treating everything like there's a cause for it and 95 percent of pain does not have a cause it's part of your body's chemistry overuse syndrome, muscle tension, all sorts of things go into pain. It's a very complex problem. The three parts to solving chronic pain are the following. First step is awareness of the nature of pain, but also the awareness of your diagnosis and how you relate to it. The second step is treating every aspect of it at the same time, because chronic pain is complicated. There's lots of parts to it. And each person has a different set of problems that are affecting his or her pain. And so the key is, treating every aspect at the same time, simultaneously. It sounds complicated, but it's really not. And it's like fighting a forest fire. Every, there are multiple strategies required to successfully fight a forest fire. Every aspect of it counts. Same thing in chronic pain. Everything works a little bit, but nothing works in isolation. So it's always a combination of sleep or exercise or the writing or relaxation. And people resonate with different tools, different ways. So, again, the first step is awareness. The second step is treating every aspect simultaneously. But the third step, which is most critical, is the patient takes control because you have a complex problem. You're an individual that's obviously complex compared to everybody else, and you have to take charge of your own care. And again, from your perspective, you've done a lot of research in chronic pain. You figured out what you had, had what hadn't worked and was working for you, and, um, and you pulled it off. So I'm curious about the paradigm shift that occurred in your mind because you're searching pretty hard for an answer for pain and you're on the right track with mind-body medicine, which I basically, I think is the right concept. Lots of other discussion around that. What was the, what do you think the basic paradigm shift was in your perspective on pain that allowed you to make that shift? Well,
1: I think, I think, I did finally link to why I had the pain, which was the anxiety and the worry about my clients. I think when, um, when I recognized that and recognized that they were okay, regardless um, whether I was there, like that was a big shift. Right. um, I think, and I just wasn't buying that there's not a solution like that. I couldn't accept that. And then when I actually had the relief since then, I feel like your model, and I've mentioned this to you another time, was that your model can be used for just about any chronic issue. Whether it's diabetes or addictions or anxiety. Like, you, uh, that idea of just saying, okay, what's going to work for me? Right. Somebody told me once, if there's 30 different solutions for a problem, then that means there's no one answer. Um, And that then up to you to figure out what's going to work for you. And, then, and that explains why there's so many religions, so many diets.
0: Right, right.
1: So unique. You've but you really-
0: but you did take charge of your own care.
1: I absolutely took charge. And right. uh, to the point of spending a lot of money in graduate school to learn a lot more about it.
0: Right. Well, I appreciate your time, but we're gonna spend the next episode going a little bit more detail what you're doing now, sort of maintain things and describe um, some of the strategies that you're using now and also with your clients, et cetera. But um, the other thing we did at Omega, which I think was helpful, was that we also share lots of videos of other people that, that had gotten better, videos of hope. And I also find out that people in chronic pain have lost hope because they, they do get bounced around the system. They're not given answers. Um, one of my best friends, Dr. Stuber, gave a lecture to a group of um, insurance medical directors. And the general flavor of medicine is still that chronic pain is to be managed, not to be solved. Is that a fair statement?
1: I think that's absolutely true.
0: Right. And of course, in which, you live in Maine, correct? Yes. W- which part of Maine do you live?
1: Northern Maine.
0: Northern Maine. So not a lot of resources. You, I know your major medical center is Maine Medical Center in Portland, right?
1: Yeah,
0: and that's five hours away. That's five hours away, right. So you live a long ways north. But in general, regardless of which part of the country you're in, again, it's done it's injections, surgery, et cetera. And what's fascinating about spine care right now, it's actually a little bit disturbing, is that we're trying to medicalize a neurological problem. We actually do know, the literature shows very clearly, that epidural injections don't work for neck pain or back pain that spine surgery does not work for back pain, that rhizotomies and blocks don't work for back pain, that random physical therapy doesn't work. And then at the end of the, and so all those are things that are basically things that are profit centers for companies or hospitals. And essentially everything we do in medicine has been documented to be ineffective. Then the treatments that are effective, like talking, listening, stress reduction, mindfulness-based meditation, I mean, there's a bunch of things that actually work. None of those are covered by insurance, right? So my personal frustration as a physician is that somebody like yourself comes to my practice, I know it is gonna work, and is systematically and consistently, I can't get the resources covered. And so it's incredibly frustrating to me. What's frustrating about mainstream medicine who tend to throw a little bit of darts at what we're doing is that everything in my book is been documented to be effective it's really just a primary care wellness book and what we're doing in medicine right now is actually been documented to be ineffective what we're doing in mainstream medicine right now is literally pretending to practice medicine and then what happens animal studies show they've done this in primates to show that one way to induce depression is to repeatedly dash hopes you go to a physician you're given an injection which has been did you have injections by the way this party did not. did not so a lot of people do But the injections have been shown not to work, but you go for different treatments with the hope you're going to get better, right? Mm -hmm. And then you repeatedly have your hopes dashed. That doesn't really help, right?
1: That's correct.
0: More frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then what happens it changes your body's chemistry, which increases the conduction of the nerves, and then you feel the pain even more. And so you get this whole spiral going. And I want to say something that's um, sort of a leading question, but what's hard for me is we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on giving patients for these huge, huge operations, that by the way, by the way, there's not one research paper that says that back fusion actually works for back pain, and that the cost for these other interventions are very, very minimal, and it's disturbingly simple. I mean, the actual end of the day, the solution really wasn't that hard. Correct?
1: Oh well, no, it was really, it was, it was actually very simple and uh, inexpensive and easy. It was actually cheaper to stop doing physical
0: therapy. And then sleep is number one. I, I've said this every time I get up to a lecture, is that sleep is number one. And there's a study out of Israel, which I didn't know at the time I talked to you, but there's a large study out of Israel, a four-year prospective study that documented that lack of sleep, lack of sleep actually induces chronic pain. It causes it. For This was for back pain. And they actually didn't find the reverse causation. Now, there's other studies that show if you have chronic pain, you can't sleep. But anyway, lack of sleep has all sorts of detrimental health effects with chronic pain being one of those effects. It's, it's a big deal. But anyway, well, thanks for your, um, obviously um, Deb and I have kept in contact off and on for years and she continues to thrive. And i like to thank you for being this part of the podcast and we'll talk to you in a few minutes about the rest of your journey. All
1: right.
0: Thank you, David. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Deb, uh, for a for sharing your story and and your journey out of pain. I'm sure that our listeners are gonna find it um, inspiring and helpful. And I wanna remind everybody that we'll be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And remember to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com.